Okay. We are continuing our series, The Battle for Our Emotions. Today we talk about envy and jealousy. Galatians chapter 5, look at verse 19. The acts of the sinful nature are obvious. By the way, if you need a study sheet, raise your hand. Uh, Jonathan's got some back here. If you didn't get one, hold your hand up and he'll get you one, okay? The acts of the sinful nature are obvious. And then he starts listing them. Sexual immorality, impurity, and debauchery. Debauchery, by the way, just meaning any form of conceived wickedness that man can come up with. Idolatry and witchcraft, making anything our God except God. Hatred, kind of goes along with our anger that we talked about. Discord, not getting along with other people. Jealousy, fits of rage. That's that word for anger we talked about that is the outburst of anger. Selfish ambition, kind of the key to everything. Dissensions and factions, divisions among groups, and envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. And then in verse 22, in retrospect opposite of that he then begins to describe the fruit of the spirit so in our sinful nature this is what we have a tendency to do but once we get saved and the holy spirit comes to live in us then here's what he begins to produce in our life and as you compare the two what the holy spirit produces in our life is exactly opposite of what the sinful nature tries to produce but here's what we want to look at today dealing with envy and jealousy three questions we need to answer all right number one what is it What is it? We're going to define it. Number two, where does it come from? Where where does this thing come from that I have to deal with? How does it show up in my life? And then number three, how do we deal with it? All right? Let's start with the definitions. Envy and jealousy. The Greek word for envy is the word that literally means a strong displeasure over the advantages or prosperity of others. Notice, it did not say an overwhelming elation and joyful attitude towards the advantages and the prosperity of others. I'm so glad you got the promotion instead of me. I am so happy for you that your salary doubled and mine got cut. I am so happy for you. I murder you in my dreams, but I'm happy for you. Okay? So, envy is not, I love you. It's a bad thing. It's not a good thing. Okay? Jealousy. What is jealousy? The Greek word here just simply means zeal, indignation, or emulation, which is bad thoughts coming your way. All right? Webster <coughs> defines it like this. I think it helps us better understand it. It's an unhappy or angry feeling of wanting to have what someone else has. Notice once again, it's not a good feeling. It's an unhappy or, like we talked about in the last two weeks, an angry feeling over something I want that somebody else has got. They got it. I want it. I ain't got it. Okay? Now, there's some examples of this in the Bible. Okay? Um, And as we look through these examples, there's not any of these examples that are good. As a matter of fact, Nothing good came out of any of this. First of all, Cain and Abel. 
Everybody kind of remembers in Genesis 5. You remember what happened in that situation? Cain got jealous. Abel didn't really get the good end of the deal. Matter of fact, he was murdered because of Cain's envy and jealousy. Um, Sarah and Hagar. Remember Sarah couldn't have a child? Hagar gave birth. Sarah got jealous. They banished Hagar. Sent her away. Joseph's brothers. Boy, they loved him, didn't they? We are so glad Dad loves you more than us. We are just so happy that you got that coat of many colors. We don't have one, but that's okay. Because we just want what's best for you, dear brother. So we're going to throw you in a pit, sell you into slavery, and you'll end up in jail one day. And we'll all rejoice. Didn't turn out at first so great for Joseph, did it? But in the end, God used it. Saul and David. David came along. Saul was a big chicken. Goliath showed up. Kid showed up, said, King Saul, I'll kill the giant. You can't do it. Yes, I can, because I trust God, and you don't. He walked out on that mountain, took a stone and a sling, killed the giant, chopped his head off, chased down the Philistines and slaughtered them. Came back in, and all the women were singing. Saul has slain his thousands, and David his ten thousand. We love David. Saul got jealous. So jealous, he tried to kill him several times. How about the older brother of the prodigal son? Here's your younger brother. He's been off in the world. His life is just about destroyed. He's finally come back home. He wants to do what's right. Man, I'm so glad you're back. What did the older brother do? Man, it's so good to see you. You know, if you hadn't come along, we wouldn't be able to have this big old party. And I'm just so excited about having this party. He got jealous. He wanted his younger brother back in the hog pen. You'll notice, in every one of these situations, the envious and jealous attitude that was produced was not a good thing. And it didn't produce good actions either. Now, take your Bible. Turn with me to Psalm 73. Let me read you something here um, that I think helps us to understand the humanity of all of this, that we are all susceptible to this. Now remember, Galatians 5.19, where does envy and jealousy come from? It is an act of the what? The sinful nature. Question, do we all have a sinful nature? Sure we do. Just because we get saved, it doesn't mean that part of our life goes away. That's why Paul talks about the flesh and the spirit battling each other for control of our life. So until we get to heaven, we're always going to have to fight that part of our life that is the little devil trying to get us to do wrong while the Lord, the Holy Spirit, the little angel, is trying to talk us into doing right. That battle is always going to go on. So that's what's happening. That's where envy and jealousy. It's the little devil over here, our sin nature, saying, you ought to have that. You deserve to have that. Why can't you have that? Trying to get us to be jealous and envious. Okay? So that's where it comes from, the sin nature, which means we all got to deal with it. Okay? Now, Psalm 73 gives us an example. Look at verse 1. Surely God is good to Israel, to those who are pure in heart. The psalm was written by Asaph. This is David's worship leader, his psalm director. Okay? 
He starts out the psalm by saying, surely, there's no question about it, God has been good to Israel. He was an Israelite. God has been good to us, to those who are pure in heart. But notice verse 2, but as for me. I know God has been good to us, but I'm just telling you my thoughts about this. I've just got to tell you what I've just been through. Maybe it'll help you. Let's read on. But as for me, my feet had almost slipped. I had nearly lost my foothold, for I envied the arrogant when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. He said, I was envious. Here I am trying to keep a pure heart, and I know God's good to us because of that. But I started looking at the wicked. I started looking at all those people around me who were not trying to live for God, and I began to notice things about them. Look at verse 4. They have no struggles. Their bodies are healthy and strong. They are free from the burdens common to man. They are not plagued by human ills. Therefore, pride is their necklace. They clothe themselves with violence. From their callous hearts comes iniquity. The evil conceits of their mind know no limit. They scoff and speak with malice. In their arrogance, they threaten oppression. Their mouths lay claim to heaven. And their tongues take possession of the earth. Therefore, their people turn to them and drink up waters in abundance. They say, how can God know? Does the Most High have knowledge? Where is God? We don't need God. Verse 12, this is what the wicked are like. Always carefree. They increase in wealth. Now, I don't know about you, but if I heard that description of this group of people, it sounds like a group of people I'd sure like to be a part of. They got no problems. They're growing in wealth. They're prospering. Everything's going great for them. They're always carefree. They never worry about anything. Man, that sounds like a group I want to be a member of. But notice this. <coughs> Verse 13. Surely in vain have I kept my heart pure. In vain have I washed my hands in innocence. Asaph, a follower of God, said, I have wasted my time following God. I am wasting my time. I ain't going back to that church no more. I ain't reading that Bible no more. I ain't following God no more. What has He done for me? Look at all these people over here in the business world that are atheists and agnostics and don't want nothing to do with God. They drink and they sleep around and they're smoking dope and they're getting promoted. Living for God ain't worth it. And the honest truth is, every one of us at some time in our life is going to think that. Because it's part of envy and jealousy. It's going to happen. Now here's the big issue. And, and you'll see it in a minute when we go through how to deal with this. We've got to recognize that it's happening. And catch it before it gets too far. But it happens. It may be happening in some of our lives right now. Envy and jealousy causes discord. It causes dissension. It causes anger. And all kinds of stuff, okay? That's what Asaph is talking about. Now, we go on down. Look at verse 21. When my heart was grieved and my spirit embittered, bitterness was setting in. I was senseless and ignorant. 
I was a brute beast before you. Look at verse 23. Yet I am always with you. You hold me by my right hand. You guide me with your counsel. Afterward, you will take me into glory. Who do I have in heaven but you? And earth has nothing I desire beside you. My flesh and my heart may fail. But God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. Those who are far from you will perish. You destroy all who are unfaithful to you. But as for me, here's that same phrase he started with. And basically what he's telling us is the whole circle. I started out, and I was really envious at these people that were wicked. I didn't think it was worth serving God. I, I just didn't understand until I went into the sanctuary of the Lord and then he showed me. He says, but as for me, it is good to be near God. I have made the sovereign Lord my refuge. I will tell of all your deeds. Notice something about God. In the midst of Asaph thinking like that, he said, God still loved me, upheld me, and took care of me. You know, that's the great thing about our relationship with Jesus. We're going to fail. We're human. We do things wrong. But He never, ever stops loving us. Ever. He never says, Bill, I don't want you no more. We say stuff like that, but God doesn't. He loves me no matter what. So, those are some examples. Now, where does this come from? We know it comes from the sin nature, but I want you to notice a process here. Um, and I've, I've got to hurry. I want to read you something real quick. This comes from Jay Adams' book, The Christian Counselor's Manual. It's the beginning of his chapter on dealing with envy. And he tells the story of the lady that he had dealt with. Let me read you her story. Her name is Joan. Joan's problem was envy. She envied everyone. Her sister, her mother, other girls, and her boyfriend. It was sin, and as a Christian, she knew it. She coveted the money, clothes, friends, abilities, etc. that others possessed. Consequently, she spent long hours wondering why she had not been blessed like all these other people had. Self-pity didn't help. She found herself putting on the same tape and playing the same tune over and over and over again. As she wallowed in self-pity, her problems seemed to grow larger. Her depression became heavier and her envy escalated out of sight. What could be done? Joan first had to acknowledge and then repent of her covetousness. But since she had developed sinful patterns and a way of life that included envy, nothing short of the grace of God could enable her to put off the old ways and put on God's new pattern of life. Her built-in habit sent her into a tailspin of depression every time that she learned of the good fortunes of a friend or noted the skillful use of another's gifts. By the way, the story goes on to say that Joan followed some of these principles we're about to look at, and she's fine. She was able to overcome it. Still had to battle it sometimes, as we all do. Sin never totally disappears. It creeps back up sometimes. But she was able to get victory over it, get out of the depression, and learn how to deal with it when it came along. Okay? Now, he mentions a habit that had been formed. This habit gets formed from this process that possibly can develop in our life. Let me go through it with you. By the way, all seven of these things 
most of them are mentioned in Galatians 5.19, the acts of the sinful nature. Here's what happened. Covet. We want something we don't have. Now, at this point in the process, it is not involved necessarily another human being. It's just involved a thing, something we want, a job, a new car, a dress, a suit, whatever. Okay? But, but there's something we want that we don't have. Then it moves to jealousy. Well, what's this? This is an unhappy or angry feeling that someone has what I want. Now, this is where what I want I found in the possession of somebody else. So now my unhappy feeling has gone from not having the thing to being aimed at the person who does have the thing I want. Now it's involved another human being. Jealousy. Then the end becomes. Strong displeasure over the advantage or prosperity of others. Now not only am I unhappy, but now I'm getting downright mad. At this point, things might be said like, it's not fair. I deserve this. I just don't understand how they can do this because we can't. It's just not right. Things like that. Then it moves to self-pity. Poor me. This is the tune that Jay Adams mentioned in Joan's life that she played over and over again every day. She thought about it, stewed on it a little bit, and sang the poor me song every day. Get making it worse and worse and worse till it moves to anger. Now remember when we talked about anger, we talked about three Greek words used to describe anger. One was when it hits our mind initially. One was when an outburst. One was the Greek word orge, which means a settled condition of the mind. That's what this is. It's when the anger settles down inside of me and just begins to bubble there. That leads to bitterness. Hebrews chapter 12 the Greek word there literally means poison. Bitterness is the poison of the soul. That's why the writer of Hebrews says it will hurt us and defile many. It's poison. This is the stage at which any time the thing or the person that all this is aimed at is mentioned, it's like a great big giant sore full of pus. And the moment you mention it, the bubble is popped. And pus spews out all over everywhere, usually in the form of verbal murder and attitude. You know it's gotten to bitterness. That leads ultimately to depression, which, by the way, we'll talk about in two weeks. Depression is when it gets really serious. This is when suicide becomes an option because there's despair and there's hopelessness. And it ends there... Because of a selfish ambition, I wanted something I didn't have. How do I deal with this? Okay, let's close with this. How do we deal with envy and jealousy? Please understand, every human being in this room, at some point in our life, is going to deal with this. Different stages, different levels, different areas of life, but we're all going to deal with it. Every one of us. So how do we deal with it? All right, turn to Psalm 37. We're going to close here. Psalm 37, and we're going to go through the six things we do to deal with envy. Psalm 37, verse 1. By the way, David is writing this. Do not fret because of evil men or be envious of those who do wrong. Okay, so here's what God says. 
I need to recognize when this jealousy and this envy, this selfish attitude begins to hit me and these emotions start coming up. I've got to be able to, to notice it. I've got to know when it's starting to happen so I can attack it before it gets too far along. Okay? And I've also got to realize it's not a good thing. That's why David said, do not be envious. Don't let it happen. So number one, recognize it as a selfish motive, jealousy or envy, so that we can deal with it. Number two, look with me at uh, verse number four. I love this verse. Delight yourself in the Lord, and He will give you the desires of your heart. Number two, focus on what God wants, not what we want. I've told you this before, but bear with me while I say it again. The word delight is the Hebrew word that means to be pliable, like a piece of rubber, bendable. The Bible says, if I will delight myself in the Lord, if I will allow God to mold me and shape me and bend me, whichever way He wants, to make me into the person He needs me to be, so I can do what He wants me to do, which, by the way, is the best way to live. Romans 12:2, the will of God is good, acceptable, and it's perfect. You can't get any better than that. But God may have to bend me a little bit to get me where I can do it. If I'm willing to let him do that, you know what he says he'll do? He will give me the desire to do whatever it is he wants me to do. Literally, he gives me, he puts in my heart the desire to do what he wants me to. That's why God's never going to ask you and me to do something that we hate if we're willing to be obedient. He's always going to give us a passion for it. He's going to help us love it. So first of all, recognize envy and jealousy is wrong. Number two, focus on what God wants, not what we want. Yeah, but I want this over here. Just because I don't have it right now doesn't mean God doesn't want me to have it. Maybe God doesn't want me to have it right now. Maybe I need to wait. But I'm ultimately interested in what God wants for me because that's what's best. Not what I want. If I want it and God wants me to have it, He'll give it to me. That's what i got to focus on. Number three, do what's right, not what we feel like doing. Look at verse number three. This is deep Hebrew right here. Trust in the Lord and do good. That's deep. So what does it mean in the Hebrew? It means trust in the Lord and do good. What does that mean? It just means do what's right. Trust God to do what I can't do and just do what's right. When envy and jealousy hits my life, is it right for me to be jealous of this person and angry and bitter and upset because they got something I want? Is that right? No. Then don't do it. Do right. Just do what's right. Now, is doing right easy? Not always. But it's always right. And it's always the way we'll be honored and blessed. So, do what is right, not what I feel like doing. And we won't take time to share what we feel like doing in some of those side cases. Including me. Number four, trust God to handle what we can, including the revenge. Look at verse number five. Verse number five. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust in Him, and He will do this. He will make your righteousness shine like the dawn, the justice of your cause, like the noonday sun. Commit our way to the Lord and trust Him to take care of it. He will do what we cannot do. Number five, step back, calm down. Ooh, here's the hard part. And wait patiently for God to act. 
Look with me at verse number 7. Be still before the Lord and wait patiently for Him. Do not fret when men succeed in their ways, when they carry out their wicked schemes. The phrase be still literally means to relax. You know, envy and jealousy, simply by the Greek word definition of zeal in, in jealousy, is not conducive to relaxing. Usually envy and jealousy start stirring us up on the inside. It causes the blood to boil. God says, relax. Just relax. And wait patiently for God. I don't know. Do any of you find it easy to be patient? I don't. I don't talk patient. I don't walk patient. I don't do anything patient. I am terrible at being patient. And I have many scars and bumps and bruises in my life because God has been trying to teach me patience. And I just don't seem to get it sometimes. It's hard. This is not an easy thing to do. But it's the right thing to do. And with God's help, we can do it. And then finally, control the anger. Don't let the anger control us. Look at verse number 8 and we'll stop. Refrain from anger. Turn from wrath. Do not fret. It only leads to evil. For evil men will be cut off. But those who hope in the Lord will inherit the land. Here's the promise. If I control my anger and I do what's right and I trust God to give me what's best, He says, those that do evil suffer. They get cut off. But those that hope in the Lord, He will take care of them. Now, I don't know about you, but envy and jealousy, those kind of things, I struggle with sometimes. I mean, yeah, I, I see things I love to have. Um, I, I look at some of the trials and the problems that we face in our life. And I look at other people who appear not to have those problems. I feel exactly like Asaph a lot of times. And you know, a lot of times, come to find out those people I thought weren't having problems, were having the same kind of problems too. And in many cases, the reason it didn't appear they were having problems is because they were dealing with it the right way. I wasn't. And I had to back up. I go to Psalm 37 a lot. Because I need it. So, envy and jealousy will destroy your life. It will destroy your relationships. It will destroy your friendships. It will destroy your job. It will destroy your effectiveness in ministry. Envy and jealousy will ruin your life. Don't let it. Deal with it the way God does. And let God take care of it. Okay? Father, thank You for Your Word, for allowing us to have it, to study it. And Lord, for making it so plain and simple so we can use it and be helped by it. Lord, we all face and deal with envy and jealousy. Please give us victory over it so it will not ruin our life. Please bless my friends this week. Meet their needs. Help them, Lord. I know they're going to face some challenges this week. We all do. Show them how close you are. And let them feel your presence. In Jesus' name. Amen. Well, time's up, guys.